Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. start the Miami Dolphins still had to scare us just a little bit welcome into Finsider Radio this is the Jake and Josh show for another victory Monday thank you all for joining us before we get into all the action from Sunday's win over the Chicago Bears I gotta welcome my co-host here it wouldn't it be the Jake and Josh show without a little bit of Josh Houtex and Joshua happy happy Monday my friend Happy Victory Monday. I mean, that's all we really care about, right? I think I can start getting used to these uh, Mondays and just feeling pretty darn good about where our team is. So six and three, man. Stoked that I'm able to come on here. And uh, for now, the kids are at bay. I'm doing pretty good, man. How have you been? Dude, I- I'm feeling pretty good, mostly because, you know, sun- Monday morning, you're obviously listening to all the podcasts, all the crazy people who uh, stay up to one in the morning to record these things. And I- I'm very grateful uh, that fantasy football pro- podcasts don't talk about defenses because there was a lot of nice things being said about the Dolphins and they just completely flipped over the part that, man, this defense be spooked for most of this game. Yeah, man. And I mean, on paper, you would think this Dolphins defense, you know, heading into the year was one of the strong suits. I mean, yes, they don't have Byron Jones. Uh, Yes, there's different injuries there. But my God, man, they gave up a ton of yards. Uh, Justin Fields did an awesome job on the ground, right? I mean, I think he was putting up insane numbers and uh, that defense had no answer. So thank God those fantasy podcasts don't talk about them. But I do think the Dolphins may they may have still scored seven fantasy points, I think, because uh, they did. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I started them. Yeah, I did too, because I'm a sicko just like you. So <laughs> uh, we want to see more out of this defense, though, for sure. It's just funny because like two weeks ago, I saw fans saying, uh, you know, Josh Boyer is going to get poached this offseason as a head coach. And now everyone's like off with his head, fire him. And it was just been two weeks. It's kind of like there's it's probably somewhere right in the mid- middle there, which is a, a massive shocker to everyone. But Josh, we, we can't do this starting about Justin Fields. Let's let's talk about our stud Tua a tongue Oh, my God, man. Three hundred and nine yards. Three scores, five big time throws, zero turnover worthy throws. Josh, he did not throw it into a linebacker's chest once. Obviously, I say that joking, but that's been kind of one of the issues for him. Josh, how enjoyable is it to kind of come out here every Sunday and know that uh, this offense is absolutely loaded and and they're going to put up points, Josh? I can't think of the last time I had an offense scoring above 30 points for two straight weeks and it kind of in a weird way be expected. Oh, for sure. I mean, even now, I mean, you're sitting there in a game and it feels like it's out of reach or you just feel like, okay, the same old Dolphins are going to rear their head 
and uh, things are just going to spiral out of control, but it's just not the case. I mean, this offense is scoring at will. Tua Tagovailoa, I think he had the highest passer rating so far in Week 9, 135.7, completed 21 of 30 passes for 302 yards and three touchdowns. And, Jake, we said, you know, we want to see that encore performance. You know, Tua said he wanted to see consistency. This looked pretty damn consistent to the week prior against the Lions. Again, man, none of those turnover-worthy plays, which everyone's trying to, uh, you know, that's that big stat that's going around. But, man, Tua came back, did what he did, and, uh, what, 6-0 and now when he starts the game and finishes it, right? What a stat. What a fun stat. But I mean, I mean, overall, man, I'm happy just saying this team six and three. You, I mean, to put it in the big perspective, this is a team that's on pace to win in a whopping 11 and a half games. And, and to me, that is above and beyond what you could expect from a first year coach. But I mean, through that, I guess the key is just consistency. Uh, Josh, I, I don't want to instantly go sour, but how brutal, how brutal was it in that, you know, second half? Because I think the Dolphins were still playing well. I think they're moving the ball. I mean, the defense was nearly getting stops except for on third down, but man, two plays and obviously I'm not piling on, but I think what made this game, uh, this game kind of felt like the same old Dolphins, but what was different, they didn't turn it away. They didn't really give away that last final chance here, man. How was it? You know, you have that Durham Smythe play where he's rolling out uh, to his rolling out to his right just kind of throws it at Smythe's knees and it's uh, incomplete. And then I think it's the next drive. Uh, Tua has Waddle deep, 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 and uh, he didn't put enough air under it. Waddle drops it. I think it was more of a force in incompletion. What was your thoughts watching the second half as the Dolphins were outscored 15 to 14? Because to me, man, it just, it felt like the old Dolphins where everything was just kind of crumbling. The dam was shattered. Yeah, man. Um, I think, you know, my first reaction, I posted the videos and some of the responses where I was just like, oh, man, dude, why did you do this? I mean, the Smythe one to a later said, you know, and you do look when you look at the play. I mean, Smythe does something where he looks upfield and just kind of throws everything out of whack. So Tua did allude to that being the reason my my, dog, my baby's uh, right here with me. You know, Tua did mention that as, you know, part of the reason why he hesitated, maybe why that ball was off. But uh, that throw to Waddle, third and 11, I mean, he had him open. Um, that's a throw that he can make. I mean, he just put a little bit too much uh, air under it and it just didn't throw it far enough. So those are both plays that he wanted back, but that should not overshadow again, that performance. And I think it's funny, Jake, because I saw someone tweet out, it was from SportsCenter or something. It was a graphic of Dan Marino's 1984 season with two as 2022 season, both players, uh, three games, 300 yards, three touchdowns, 700 or a 70% completion percentage. I mean, it was just so funny to see those two guys neck and neck. And it said, you know, Marino got the MVP that year to it's an MVP consideration. Now it's just a crazy world that we live in, but uh, everything kind of got overshadowed when uh, that Smythe play happened. And then Waddle, I mean, that's kind of what a lot of people are still even talking about uh, when they should be talking about that pretty good encore performance. I don't know, man. To me, that Smythe play, just everything was, everyone just needed to slow down. I mean, I think everyone, the the, the anxiety was up. The anticipation was up. To me, man, it, there's no, uh, you know, the uh, two more yards wrong on the route, whatever it may be. To me, man, I just, it, everyone was going a little too fast for the situation to ahead time. And Josh, one of the most impressive things, zero sacks. Tua was only hit twice. I mean, this offensive line is looking absolutely fantastic. And Tua's getting time. Josh, you mentioned probably the most important thing about that play to Waddle. It was third and 11, and this is a group that absolutely just continues to attack. And I keep going back to the same thing, man. It's Mike McDaniel uses third down to use party tricks. This is what Tua has done over the past two weeks, throwing past the sticks. He has been 31 for 38, 565 passing yards, five touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating of 158.3. Josh, I mean, we're going to get into Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill in just a second, but man, the fact 
that you're leaving nothing on the field. We're so upset about those Jalen Waddle plays and Durham Smythe plays because there aren't a lot of bad plays from this offense. Two ahead, seven incompletions, whether that's two missed throws and, and four drops, whatever it may be. That's an incredible, incredible number from this group, considering the fact that defenses they know where the first down marker is and Tua just doesn't seem to care he's just continuing to put it on target wherever it needs to be yeah man it's like he and right now he's just playing like he has ice in his veins I mean when those you need those big plays Tua's going out there and delivered it man I mean he's putting the ball exactly where it needs to be um he's nominated again for FedEx player of the week I don't know if you saw that Jake but um he won it last week I mean it's just funny to have a quarterback that's going out there and you know destroying all those narratives about him you know he's going out there proving that he can throw the deep ball have to shout out uh Travis Wingfield he threw out uh awesome tweet had had all these numbers from Tua Tembaloi's first in passer rating first in QBR first in yards per attempt first in touchdown percentage first in expected points added per play first in net yards Per play, I mean, you go down the list, man, and two of the time low is first in the league. He's going out there and he's uh, doing those things. But, man, um, he couldn't be doing it without Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, uh, we can sit here and gush about how well two of the time low has played, how he's, you know, a monster in the middle of that field. But he would not be the same quarterback without Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in the lineup. God, man, how much fun is it to have Tyreek Hill on your team? And I just go back to the efficiency, right? I think the one fear we had, uh, you know, preseason is can you get Jalen Waddle and can you get Tyreek Hill the targets they need to be successful? And hey, when you're not having empty targets, when passes aren't hitting the ground, I mean, it's pretty easy. Uh, I mean, Josh, Tyreek Hill is already over a thousand yards on the season. I think I saw 1,104 yards on the year already. In fact, if you put that his numbers this year up, against the entire field from last year. He's already wide receiver 27 for everyone who played in a 17-game season last year. That's just absolutely incredible. Josh, I got to ask you, though. Oh, man, I, I, I'm i going to sound really soft here. I mean, I'm going to sound like a nerd. Watching Tyree Kill do a backflip, I, I felt like that kid who all his friends are, are out there egging houses, and you're like, nah, I, I don't want to get in trouble. Watching Tyree Kill do backflips, I'm just like, no, please, like, stay safe, stay safe. But at the same time, man, it's such a thrill. It is so much fun to see him do these type of things because – this team has never had that before. No, but that's how it's been all offseason. I remember in the offseason, he was like running races and he was playing like rec basketball. And it's just like, I think he scored then and was doing backflips. It's like, dude, you need to calm down. But uh, yeah. man, he, he is so <laughs> impressive. I think, what, 1,104 yards now. I think that's the most um, through the first nine games ever in the Super Bowl era. Um, uh, I think that's more than eight teams total wide, uh, wide receivers, you know, net yardage. So, dude, he's just putting up insane numbers. And then Jalen Waddle opposite of him. 85 plus yards in four straight games. The two have combined for 1,688 yards. That's the most ever by a duo. And again, Tyreek Hill is on pace, you know, for breaking Calvin Johnson's record. So, um, baby house, she's stoked for it. And I think, you know, it just compliments everyone. And we came into the season and said, you know, how is he going to be able to force feed both these guys? Well, it really doesn't matter, does it? Because he's making it work. And, um, you know, there are guys out there picking up the scraps. We saw Trent Sherfield make a nice play. Um, Cedric Wilson proved that he wasn't, you know, locked up in, you know, he wasn't going to be the next Will Fuller. He made a play or two. So um, we're waiting to see that third player emerge. But right now, man, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Killer putting up video game numbers. And um, it's a testament again to Tua Tungvalu and how well he's, he's played. And then Mike McDaniel, again, for, you know, <laughs> clock management issues aside, right, Jake? I mean, he's been pretty damn good as far as play call. And if you go on Twitter and go at Houts or you go on YouTube and look up H-O-U-T-Z, you're going to find some great clips. And and Josh, um, Tyree Kill is just so, so impressive just to say this out loud. He already has 100 targets through nine games. And it's not like these are like, you know, bubble screens where you're just peppering him at like, like 
Cooper Cup you kind of saw last night. He had some bubble screams. He had some three-yard curl routes where it's like, make a play. Tyreek Hill is averaging 14.5 yards per reception. He's caught 76 of 100 targets. That's a 76% completion percentage. That is to a superpower. It's just that consistent accuracy in that intermediate part of the field where you aren't getting these empty targets. And uh, back to the point I was trying to make, though, if you go and check out Houts on Twitter, you go check out Houts on YouTube, can we talk about the Jalen Waddle touchdown for a second? Because two is rolling out to his left. And the way that the camera has it, you see about eight people in that end zone, you know, whatever, three Dolphins, uh, five Chicago Bears just chilling back there. And I thought it was going to be just kind of hooked out of the end zone. But, man, he had time to sit back, back there. And for, for Tua, it's like Jalen Waddle is, uh, I don't know, where's Waldo? It's like he's seeing so many things out there. And, boom, he sees that striped white and red. And all of a sudden, he knows exactly where to throw it. Josh, what did you see on that rollout to the left and the Jalen Waddle throw? Because I had no idea how that play was going to develop. And, bang, he made it look so simple. Yeah, well, I'm still a peasant. I'm still waiting on the all 22 to drop. Hopefully, it drops <laughs> sooner than later. But I mean, even in the the they showed a back of the end zone clip of it, and I posted that. I mean, you really don't even see Jalen Waddle come into that clip. Like he jump, he comes out of nowhere, and you know, comes in front of the DB. It almost looked like the Bears uh, defender thought it was going to be a sure pick. So, um, Tua and Jalen Waddle, man, like you were mentioning, their uh, chemistry together. It almost seems like they're just in sync. Like they have chips in them that just you know can find each other one way or the other. So that was a hell of a play from Tua to put that ball in a tight spot but you know that's just what he does right I mean the thing that makes Tua so good is his accuracy and um he always seems to find a way to f to find Jalen Waddle or Tyree Kill you know no matter how many people are involved long story short the spark notes version Tyree Kill Jalen Waddle Tua Tungvaloa it's a pretty good passing attack but Josh let's, let's talk about the rushing game for a second because I'm not gonna say I'm smart and I'll actually say I'm more of an idiot for doing this but this guy right here started Jeff Wilson Jr. in fantasy what do you gotta say about that I mean, you won, right? <laughs> Did you win your game? As long as you won your game, I mean, then take a battle. That's all that matters. Well, I, I <laughs> I'm down one point. I have Kenyon Drake. He has Chris Olave. So, so we'll see what happens there. So okay. It's, so it's we'll, to, to be determined, we'll be back on that. But I would still tip. Yeah, man. Congrats. I started Raheem Moster and had Jeff Wilson on my bench. So I uh, look like a clown compared to you. Can you believe how this this played out, though, man? Jeff Wilson looked like he's been in Aqua and Orange all year. And it's fun because... Because you see someone who's vying for that second contract, right? I th think those are some of the funnest players to watch. Guys that, all right, well, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I can pretty confidently say that Je uh, Stephen Ross will not be breaking out the checkbook for Jeff Wilson Jr. No offense. I just don't see this team paying for running backs. But man, nine carries for 51 yards, a long of 28. He played 28 snaps four days after being traded to Miami. Uh, 13 routes, 12 opportunities. He had a big block in pass protection, which was pretty fun to see. And he caught three of three targets for 21 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Josh, what'd you see out of Jeff Wilson? Were you surprised to see him be that guy? I mean, Raheem Mostert, he's a veteran. People forget it. I think he's 31 years old. He's been in the system for so long. And hey, we just exchanged a fifth round pick for a pretty damn good running back all of a sudden yeah i mean and no disrespect to chase edmonds i mean jeff wilson might have already done more right i mean um it was does he already have more yards um, that I, might actually be possible oh he's man, at like I, 70 something i hope not i wasted so many times uh so much time doing chase edmonds cups but man i mean he came in right out there and i mean i think i originally said he'll get nine to ten touches and i changed that. i was like i think snaps i think touches was too much uh he got acclimated right away he looked like you know they were calling him a bruiser a little bit right it wasn't mike mcdaniel saying how he brings the thunder and ignites right, yeah. the offense yeah i mean we saw a little bit of it Everyone immediately thought, okay, this is going to be a Ronnie Brown. I thought maybe this was Jay Ajayi, you know, like prime Jay Ajayi, the way he was out there, you know, running hard. That block that you mentioned was on a huge uh, 
Tyreek Hill completion. I mean, he came across uh, the formation, just lays out the defensive back who just goes flying off the screen. So yeah, man, I was impressed. And, uh, you know, when you compare that to where Raheem Mostert did, nine carries, 26 yards. Uh, Jeff Wilson almost doubled that, uh, nine carries, 51 yards. Then he had that touchdown where he dove for the end zone. I think Tua said it kind of reminded you of uh, Reggie Bush out there. So I can't get that image out of my mind now either. So I was impressed. I was uh, really surprised that he came right in. And, you know, like you said, man, made his presence felt as a Miami Dolphin. You could, you know, that the Dolphins could run against the Bears. The Bears are very, very bad, uh, you know, rush defense. But still, man, the, to consider the fact Jeff Wilson had a long of 28, and that's more rushing yards than Raheem Mostert on the day, man. Bananas. Absolutely, absolute bananas. Can we give One the more... offensive line props, or is that where you were going? I'm sorry if I butted in and you were getting Let... ready to do it. Let's butt in right like that offensive line did. What a what a group of studs. I mean, Tron Armstead, you can tell that they really favor running to that left side, and you can't blame them. I mean, those guys are looking stout over there. And on the right side, man, Brandon Shell has this is what we've been waiting years for. For years, man. We've been I've been doing podcasts as, as long as you have. I mean, we're probably going four or five years being on podcasts, and we've been just asking a simple question. Is it this hard to find mediocre linemen? Not even good, not even solid, just straight up mediocre linemen, because you know. Pro football focus, whatever. Don't use it as your Bible, whatever. Get that disclaimer out of here. The Dolphins would already always have, you know, four of the five lowest offensive linemen, like easy. They'd be always near the bottom. The fact you could just pick up Brandon Shell and you never hear his name. You don't hear anyone's name on that offensive line, dude. What a, what a group we finally have here, unless you want to make this whole podcast about how there was one snap that Connor Williams snapped short and how everything's ruined. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got that out there because it was a bad snap by Connor <laughs> Williams. And, uh, you know, that was one of those things that people might remember. But, I mean, I think it's a testament to, you know, Frank Smith, uh, Matt Applebaum, and then even Mike McDaniel, you know, for seeing, you know, Connor Williams as a center, right? I mean, most people viewed him as a guard. We all thought it was crazy and that's so Dolphins of him to be that center. But besides, you know, the occasional bad snap, he's been uh, stout. And then Robert Jones came in, right? I mean, we saw him pull on that one play for Raheem Mostert's touchdown. I hope Liam Eikenberg the best. Hope he recovers but uh, I think Robert Jones played pretty fine on Sunday, and uh, I'm excited to see the way this unit gels because, you know, their best football is still ahead of them. Austin Jackson was inactive, but Friday marked the first time he practiced since uh, uh, the injuring his ankle in week one against the Patriots. So that's something to keep in mind, Josh. Even if um, I don't know if Jackson's going to come in and start, but instantly, you know, if you move Jackson to left guard or you keep Jones at left guard, you have a really good pulling tackle all of a sudden. So you, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen there. And, and man, if they have six, seven healthy linemen that have been with them through camp, would you really be surprised if one of them catches a, a, a touchdown on a big jumbo play sometime before the season's over? Because I mean, that, that kind of seems like the next thing in this offensive playbook is to, you know, you got Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. Hey, Austin Jackson, catch a touchdown. Yeah, Rob Hunt. I mean, he wanted it really bad against what was it, the Ravens a few years yeah. ago. So let's give him one. Us. Yeah. So um, um, I'm excited about this offense, man, because they are unstoppable. But Josh, there are so many positive things, so many fun things to watch about that game. But man, let, let's talk about fourth down real quick. The Dolphins go over two on fourth down. And I guess I guess my biggest question to you is, I mean, I think. On Twitter, everyone was upset, obviously, playing the results. To me, personally, I didn't have an issue with either fourth down call. I, I like the um, confidence to go for it. And to you, man, I have to ask, would you have been mad at these decisions to go for it if Sanders doesn't miss a 29-yard field goal? Because that probably would change it for me. But you see Jason Sanders miss from that close, and all of a sudden you have no confidence at all. 
Yeah, I mean, I think CBS said it was what Jason Sanders' like shortest miss of his career. So I think the confidence twenty nine yards. Yeah, was at an all time low, and then, um, but Mike McDaniel did say at the end of the game, and maybe it was just coach speak, but he said if they were going the other direction, which that's probably you know the wind probably wasn't against them, they would have kicked the field goal. So I don't know, man, but I didn't have any issue with those uh, fourth down calls. I guess um, the one was the Smythe, right? And what was the other one? Was the other one Gasicki? Was the other one? I'm sorry. What was the second fourth down call? I I think it was Gasicki, but um, it it does. They didn't get it. Breaking news: They didn't get it. But man, should we start worrying about Jason Sanders? Because what you brought up about the win that does make sense. I mean, CBS was talking about it that entire fourth quarter, kicking in or or through the wind, whatever it may be. Um, Sanders was five for five on extra points, and he only missed that field goal attempt on the year. Third or eleven of fifteen on field goal attempts, twenty four and twenty five on extra points. He missed the one from twenty nine. His other three misses are from at least fifty yards. Josh, I think we could kind of sweep the 50-yarders under the rug because they're hard, and you'd hope that he'd kind of regress back to the mean. But, I mean, I don't think you can excuse the 29-yard field goal. Is this a situation where you're still comfortable with Sanders going out there to kick? Or if you were head coach uh, Josh McDaniel, would you be kind of testing out some new kickers? Yeah, I think it's time to, maybe not this year, but you're definitely looking down the road at replacing Jason Sanders. I actually have notes here, you know, going based off of your um, rundown, and I actually have get Jason Sanders the F off my football team. So <laughs> that's that's where I think I'm at at this point. I mean, we kind of debunked, you know, we kind of debunked the whole, uh, I guess, holding thing. You know, we kind of looked back at the whole COVID year without the fans as the that last real good season he had. So um, I'm a little bit worried about Jason Sanders. I don't know how much that would sway to Mike McDaniel's, you know, decision because at this point he he's one of those coaches that seems to, you know, go against the grain and he's going to use analytics and he's going to try things that, you know, we haven't seen other coaches do. And um, I'm all here for it, right? We're six and three, man. We had never feeling better. Exactly. You know, there, there's maybe some some time issues at the end of the game, but again, it's a rookie coach that they're working through some things. And as long as you kind of see improvement, things operate a little differently week by week. Yeah, man, six and three, you have to love it. Um, also love Thomas Morris that he only had to punt once. So that's always exciting to see your punter rarely on the field. Let's take a quick little break here. And on the other side, Josh, let's talk about um everyone's inability to tackle Justin Fields. So stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Oh boy. Uh Josh. Bad Lewis, he continues to haunt us. Justin Fields, he set a QB record with 178 rushing yards. The Bears rushed for 15 first downs. The Bears were 10 of 16 on third downs. And 6.3 yards per rush on 40 rushing attempts. Man, those four stats right there kind of give you the sense of the old Dolphins of everything's just going to fall apart, the loss at the end. But, but man, how frustrating was it to watch this defense time and time again get into the backfield? No one's going to come out and say Chicago has a fantastic offensive line. I think they got to fields for two sacks, but the inability to bring him down, the amount of times he was wrapped up and, and just to slip through defenders, man, I, I was losing my mind. Yeah, and I don't think we should pat ourselves on the back per se, but, you know, we talked about it. You mentioned how we need to find a way to stop the run, you know, particularly Justin Fields. We went through the history of all the guys that, you know, have doomed us in the past. I I don't know, man. It sounded like 
um, Mike McDaniel, Josh Boyer, they kind of game plan for this. They kind of expected, you know, to have to bring down Justin Fields. But, you know, again, we talked about the tackling being an issue, man. It was all on full display. Uh, I do think we have to credit Justin Fields. He's a special player because there are some people discrediting what he did. But um, overall, this Dolphins defense, man, is just a, a sad state of affairs compared to what we saw before. So uh, I joked I have written down here Justin Fields uh, looked a lot like Michael Vick because he was unstoppable, though we did see, you know, some pressure from Bradley Chubb. I mean, I think there's enough there to sit there and do a cut up and of the positive from Bradley Chubb, what we saw from him. Jalen Phillips was getting some pressure, but uh, when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields that can extend the play and then he's fast AF, I mean, no one could really tackle this dude and uh, the Dolphins got to fix it up, man. I don't know what their schedule looks like as far as mobile quarterbacks, but, uh, you know, to win those big time games in the playoffs, you got to go against the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens of the world. You just need someone to make a play. I mean, it's very hard to make a play but it's very simple to say someone needs to make that play. I want to see Channing Tindall and, out there and, more right we saw what five snaps from him I think in the middle there I think I saw and he got what? cooked he got absolutely cooked <laughs> he, he pushed he pushed uh I think uh, Josh Allen pushed him out of bounds for uh short of the sticks but yeah I mean I, I just want to see more and see what he can do because who knows what he can do compared to some of those other linebackers I know you have Duke Riley down he I mean that guy he plays with his freaking hair on fire I'd love to see more Duke Riley. I, I think having that speedy linebacker, it was a little frustrating at times um, to see Jalen Phillips just kind of stand there and wait for a play to unfold because by the time, like you're you're watching, you're not, you, at that point when you fly it in your feet and you're waiting for something to happen, you're no longer playing, right? You're watching. So that, that was a little frustrating to me. And um, I, I don't know if I'm going to blame the rushing on Josh Boyer and Mike McDaniel, man. It's so obvious uh, that that tackling is an issue. I mean, entering this game, Opposing running backs averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Opposing quarterbacks averaged 5.6. Obviously, a Lamar Jackson, what, 79-yard rushing touchdown inflates that, but but I don't see anything wrong with the scheme here. I, I just saw a team that really couldn't tackle. Uh, but, but let's get to the positives because this was a team that won, and this might sound a little ridiculous, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, Josh. I think Jalen Phillips won this game by blocking a punt with his gut. Obviously, AVG picks it up and runs it into the touchdown for six points. That really just seemed to be the one play that warped this entire game with, you know, two offenses that that just couldn't be stopped. Yeah, I think Mike McDaniel said at the end of the game, you know, we were going to shoot our shot and we hoped that we were going to get home and someone, you know, scoop and score. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, uh, I joke that Jalen Phillips is built like Machamp, but dude, the way he beat the defender and then got in there to make that block with his gut, like you said, and then Andrew Van Ginkle with the scoop and score. So I do think that was the game changer. Uh, you need someone to step up and make a play. I'm just glad it was Jalen Phillips. Uh, you also got to give credit to Melvin Ingram. I mean, he had a few, he played really well earlier in the season, kind of uh, got lost in the mix over the last few weeks. He had a sack and then Cater Coho, man. I mean, this dude has been playing sensational. You know, I think his Dolphins defense would be even worse off if we didn't have Cater, you know, stepping up and doing some of the things he does. I know he had a nice tackle uh, on a Chase Claypool screen, you know, and making plays as a pass defender. Uh, if he wasn't stepping up, man, how bad would that secondary be right now? Even, I mean, we had a little hope for, you know, Keon Crossan, but, but too, like it, it's hard to expect so much out of these guys when they're rookies. And it's so obvious when a cornerback makes mistakes, right? Because there's someone running open downfield with a ball in their hands. Uh, but Darth Caterman and continues to impress his eight tackles you really see some depth in the secondary now hopefully if byron jones can come back man you see a star-studded group um eric rowe eric rowe's back in action with seven tackles man do you have any idea what happened last week with him being inactive it could be as simple of hey you know he just didn't fit the scheme hey we wanted to give him a week it just it just seems weird because i think i can envision i think three of his tackles off the top of my head where he absolutely lowered his shoulder into a guy and made sure they remembered like if you're going to catch the ball like this you're going to get clobbered again so 
to kind of see the secondary have Eric Rowe dancing around. I mean, I, I'm happy to see him back. To me, he's always been a, a very stout player for this defense. Yeah, it's funny because, again, against the Lions, I was like, okay, he's going to be the difference maker against Hawkinson. He was nowhere to be found, was inactive. I'm going to guess, Jake, maybe could have he been in the trade rumors, you know, for the Broncos perhaps? I know he would free up some cap space, you know. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get him to restructure. Who knows? But we're that glad he was glad he was out there. You know, he was a difference maker in this game. But Cole Komet, man, I mean, again, do we have to pat ourselves on the shoulder? We mentioned how he could be a difference maker, and he absolutely was. Caught five of six targets for 41 yards, two touchdowns. I joked he was head of the Hall of Fame. So um, I don't know how well Eric Rowe matched up. Again, we'd love to watch the All-22 and see that battle. But um, it was definitely weird not to have Eric Rowe against the Lions, you know, immediately after Brandon Jones' injury. Wow. For for all the frustr dude, I was so frustrated in that second half. I was so so frustrated. And the fact we're sitting here, man, it's it's so great. Two three game winning streaks. This is a team that's six and three in prime position. You have the Jets beating the Bills. So so this is an AFC East that is completely open. And having that win against the Bills, you have a win against the Patriots. I mean, I think that uh, revenge game against the Jets. I think it's even the final week of the season is going to be marked on the calendars uh, as a big statement team, probably for both teams. Josh, let's wrap up with some final thoughts on this and, and kind of start turning the page. Uh, little scheduling note. If you're listening to this, be sure to check out Monday night. Our fake-ass doctor, uh, Merrick Graves, hosts a Twitter space. So every Monday, check those out. Um, if you want to know how to find it, I try to retweet everyone. But if you go onto the Finsider on Twitter, you should see, you know, one of the tweets saying, you know, join us for our space. So I highly recommend you checking that out this week. Earl Mitchell, little throwback there, a little defensive tackle action. That'll be a lot of fun to listen to. So be sure to check out that Twitter space. Joshua, my one thought after this game. I one thought going into next week, it's a pretty simple one. Jake Brisket does not run like Justin Fields, and all of a sudden I feel a lot better. I hope so, right? I mean, I would have got <laughs> some. I said I'm going to be so mad when he gets like a fourth and one quarterback sneak, you know, how Good Jacoby Brissett loves to do. But someone's like, yeah, after he runs for a 70 yard or so, please no. I'm just, uh, um, again, Dolphins are six and three, man. You can beat the Browns right now. You know, they're vulnerable seven and three. You're feeling really good. And uh, we do have to note, I guess Facebook must have started it. They were trying to get people to wear all white, all the fans, and Tom Garfinkel picked up on it. So it's going to be a whiteout on Sunday uh, for the Dolphins Browns game, which I joke that you'll be able to see all the brown jerseys they're gonna look like turds you know it's just because everyone's wearing white you're just gonna see a couple of people wearing brown jerseys but um all jokes aside man six and three cannot be more excited hopefully this podcast wasn't a complete disaster because my daughters are uh playing pretty pretty princess but uh dude so happy another victory monday and that i was able to share it with you and all of our listeners your your daughters wanted to share victory monday with us and and with uh, you our pretty princess so man they're, they're they're fit in they're ready to start recording with us get them a laptop yeah, I, I keep joking that they're going to take over my legacy. So you'll be on here one day, Jake, with these little girls. That, with three you know, outs. Yeah, say, <laughs> they probably say quarterback kind of like Kanata does. <laughs> I'm so here for that. I am so here for it. But thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for enjoying this Victory Monday with us. We'll be back on Wednesday with our fake-ass Dr. Barrick Brave as we get ready for the Dolphins to face the Browns on Sunday. After that, we got a bye week and there and it's the home stretch but thank you guys so much for listening i hope everyone has a wonderful week for finsider radio for the jake and josh show we will talk to you next time but until then fins up fins up that was finsider radio part of the finsider.com and the sb nation network miami has the dolphins the greatest football team we take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen we're in the air we're on the ground we're always in control and when you say miami Talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami.
football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Yes, we're the